And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. And Kyle, um, who was more frustrated that the final round at Pebble Beach, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, uh, did not end? Was it Phil Mickelson or was it Kyle Porter? Because our, <laughs> our Monday finish, you know, I, I think that if, if you got a chance to maybe take in some golf at 11 a.m. Eastern time, 8 o'clock local out there near Carmel, you know, the, the Monday finish can be something that is unique and celebrated, a nice way to break up an otherwise mundane start to the week. But for Kyle, sitting, sitting on edge through the hailstorm, trying to put this thing to bed from the coverage standpoint, um, what, what, was, what was your ruling on what they should have done uh, at the end of Sunday? Well, they definitely should have stopped. But yeah, I was thinking about this, Chip. The, the two most dramatic moments that we've had in golf in 2019 have been, uh, one, a ball at rest. Number 11. into the water. <laughs> yes. And two, two millionaires discussing the phases <laughs> of the moon. <laughs> I mean, that's legitimately, like, I don't, I don't and, and like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm being serious about that. They were, they were incredibly dramatic and hilarious, yes. but I don't know what it says about golf that those are your, your two, your two biggest points of, of uh, drama for, so far for 2019. I mean, I mean, if I could uh, do a putt and play two holes in six minutes, I would, but we just can't. <laughs> And like, uh, okay, so any, if, you, if you're just listening to this, Phil Mickelson has won uh, the AT&T Pebble Beach just like maybe like an hour ago. We're sitting here recording on uh, around early lunch time on Monday. And, uh, and Phil Mickelson, you know, comes off and in the post-round comments to Peter Costas, you know, he's, I, I, th- I thought that he did a good job of coming out recognizing that him <laughs> him being very frustrated had become the story and uh, he comes out addresses it says uh, we abs- absolutely should have stopped and I wanted I thanked Paul this morning <laughs> I just tend to get inside my own little bubble no not Phil <laughs> uh, I thought it was very on brand that he thanked the guy that he just beat yes. for stopping play <laughs> He was pissed. No, I, mean, I think was, I think that because he said he told him that uh, in the morning at the range. I think that was psychological warfare. If there was yeah, any for, chance that Paul Casey was going to get back and like chase Phil down, it wasn't going to happen. After Phil was like, "Hey, man, thanks for stopping." <laughs> it was it was really funny, and I I just I don't know what I think Phil even at 48 is a little bit unaware of his own limitations. Like as a, like not, not as a golfer, but like as a human being that only has like, I think he thinks he has like 28 hour days instead of 24 or something. I, could I don't see know. That. I don't know what he thought was going to happen on Sunday, but I mean, it showed it right after. And, and the whole thing was great because like Casey and Phil wouldn't look at each other and Casey like went back over to his side of the of the green and Phil was like walking to 17. It was it was kind of awesome. Like I I kind of loved the whole thing, but like 5 minutes after that exchange, uh the CBS cameras were showing Scott Piercy and Brian Gay trying to finish up and it was like I mean you couldn't even the only light on the course was the was the leaderboard on 18. Like you couldn't see anything. Like I don't I just I don't know what Phil thought he was going to do. Um, uh, I'll tell you exactly what Phil thought. Phil thought I'm loose and I'm playing well. I don't have any bogeys on the card. Let's because he was at his most pleading moment. 
he was asking to play 17 real quick and get the tee shot off at 18, right? Yeah, like yeah, he, that that he, was the play for him. But it's not really like if if you're going to stop, I would think you want to stop there so that you open with the tee shot on 17 and not with the drive on 18, right? I mean, he obviously had practiced the tee shot on 17 all morning because <laughs> he stuck it. Missed the putt that would have made birdie, but still, like, when that tee shot came off, I was like, oh, okay, this is a wrap. Well, let's talk about that because some, I mean, it, it's getting a little bit lost because of how hilarious the, the ending was on Sunday, but some of the shots he hit on, well, really throughout the final round, I mean, he shot at 65. It was a low round of the day with Kevin Streelman and no bogeys. He finished. Uh, I think first or second in proximity to the hole, first or second in strokes gained on approach shots, and and it wasn't just that he was hitting it close. It was it was he he was hitting these like knockdown eight irons and like little like half swing seven irons, and ju- it just looked like he was controlling his ball like I have not seen him do in a long time, and I, it was kind of yes. awesome to watch. And I don't know that we're gonna remember it in a month or even four or five months when the U S open is played, but the way he controlled his ball was, it was kind of jaw dropping. I mean, to watch him do that at that age, I, I, I was, uh, I was blown away by, by some of the iron shots he was hitting on Sunday. When we consider all of the storylines and all of the uh, pressure that is going to be on Phil for the U S open at pebble, uh, both from the, the finish in the slam uh, playing, having it there, uh, a course where he has so much history. Uh, I think that in some ways it's perfect that he won this one. It like like to me because of what we saw um, or what we have seen in the last couple years when Phil just seems to get get in his own way. It's like this this was the performance that maybe could have won Phil a U.S. Open, but it was it's not going to happen at the U.S. Open. It's going to happen here at uh, the AT and T Pro Am. It was almost the only way he hasn't lost a U.S. Open yet. <laughs> right. Yes. Like he's he's lost a, like the U.S. Open in every imaginable way possible, except for winning on the course where the U.S. Open is, and then not winning the U.S. Open on that course in June. Yeah. So we'll, and, we'll be able to get bingo after June. <laughs> I mean, here's the problem, Chip, and, and this is this is what I'm going to come back to in June. I don't know if everybody else will, but. Uh, Saturday, seven of fourteen fairways, uh, tied a hundred and thirtieth in the field. Sunday, seven of fourteen fairways, tied forty six in the field after uh, the cut on Saturday night. Th- those were both his rounds on Pebble Beach, and you know, for all the attention that Thursday got, where he hit every fairway, that's not going to win you a U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. And I-, I mean, he said that after his round. He's like, "This is a completely different course in June," and he he gets that. But like, I was kind of hoping he was about to drag the USGA and just start that fight again. <laughs> just use that time, and, and that he would be like, "It's going to be a totally different course for that championship." I mean, once the USGA gets their hands on it, who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> but like, he said this after. I think he said this after at Safeway after the Ryder Cup in. I guess Safeway would have been in October last fall. Like he he basically said, "I'm not going to play courses anymore that have." Uh, a lot of rough and at the time I was like okay you know whatever we'll see you at Tory but then he skips Tory and you're like okay well maybe maybe this is like a real thing 
The problem is the one he has to play is the U.S. Open, and I just – I don't know. For as long as he's been off the tee – by the way, have you seen his driving stats? Uh, I don't have them pulled up right now, but I know he he was driving the ball. Like, he's in at what, 305? Okay, so – well, sort of. So here's the driving distance on the PGA Tour. This is through Phoenix. So it doesn't include Pebble because Pebble wasn't completed until like 20 minutes ago or whatever. Uh, so Cam Champ is leading. No, no surprise there. He's averaging 321. Uh, Tony Finau second, 318. Grayson Murray's third, 318. Luke List, 317. Phil Mickelson, fifth on the PGA Tour in driving distance, averaging 316 off the tee. Goodness gracious. Patrick Cantlay, Ben on somebody named Seth Reeves, uh, and then Wyndham Clark, Brandon Hagee, Hideki round out the top 11. Adam Scott's farther down, Justin Rose. Jason Day's 21st, Bubba's 24th, Rory is 26th. I mean, it's kind of remarkable, right? Yeah, but, I mean, wouldn't the other side of that be through eight uh, events, strokes gained off the tee? He's at 59th. I mean, that's the the story of phil right yeah and i think i think that he is i think his understanding of it is that okay well if i'm not going to be accurate and after 29 years of playing i i, I guess i'm not, not. going to be accurate <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. then i might as well be long and i i just i don't know it's the whole thing's kind of weird because you you see these stories oh he's he's his workouts better he's eating better but he, he said he picked up like five or six miles an hour on his swing that seems crazy at the age of 48 but clearly i mean the results show it uh i I don't know if you know i think he's played probably some easier driving courses to where he can just unload all the time uh so maybe that changes over the course of the next five or six months but that's the thing that's kind of stood out to me about his game so far this year okay so i would guess that that would be a combination of like technology like i could see phil almost getting his bryson on when he just decides he's like (laughs) all we're gonna do is we're gonna have the perfect uh plan workout regiment meals like we are gonna get it to where i am just mashing this ball off the tee i think i could totally see him uh committing himself to that especially given the premise that you laid out there that he might just be like yeah you know what i'm I'm not gonna hit many fairways (laughs) But it makes sense because, you know, you look at places like... He's still third uh, place in birdie average. You look at places like Augusta, and you don't have to be straight there. Mm -mm. I mean, you can be, I mean, as he knows, you know, you can be crooked and and still play really well there. I mean, I, I don't, I guess... If if that's true, then I guess the question is, why did it take so long to focus on this? Uh, but it sounds like it's, it's more of a thing where it's... Uh, you know, off the course stuff like eating and, and working out than on the course stuff. So I guess you do have to sort of make a long term commitment to that to to see the results. But still, six miles an hour, that's a ton. Uh, I just I, I don't I don't know if those things add up. I, I don't know. Well, I mean he could A, he could be lying. <laughs> Like, I mean, it's, this is F- Phil Mickelson talking about his own swing speed is not a trustworthy narrator. Right? Yeah, there, there is a there's a swing speed stat. I don't I don't I might have to go deeper than just clicking around. Okay. On All right. So PGA. how 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 often have you measured your own swing speed? Uh, 
like once a year when I go to the PGA show. Um, do you do you know it? Have enough of a baseline to imagine what like five miles per hour feels like or looks like? No, um, no, I I don't. I don't either. Oh, it feels like oh, I've got five miles an hour on my swing. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. <laughs> I've got a uh, hold on. I'm pulling up club head speed. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'll, I recognize I'll, I'll that it's up. it's something that obviously a lot of golfers, not only professionally but uh, just uh, golf people who enjoy playing golf, non professionally amateurs. I, I understand that it's definitely something that, that people get into. They love measuring it. They love using it as a as a way to track, uh, you know, how they're how they're sw- getting that club face around, but. Okay, so Cam Cam Champ is one thirty. He leads the PGA Tour. Next closest is one twenty four and a half, which is crazy. Mickelson's at one twenty one clubhead speed, uh, and last year he was at one sixteen. Wow, wow! How about that? He's not lying. <laughs> it's it's statistically true that he's gained five miles an hour on. On his swing, which it, again, like this does, you're not supposed to do this at age 48. It doesn't add up to me. It doesn't make sense. But I think the funny part is, you know, with him and Tiger, we've always said, you know, what if they just took a took a you know a little bit off and found more fairways? And it feels like, actually, I'm going to go the <laughs> other way. <laughs> hey, I I'm would say find that fewer fairways and just hit it as far as I can. <laughs> I like it. Hey, I I say it's on I brand. I, I like it too. I think it's great. Uh, Phil Mickelson, forty-three PGA Tour victories after the uh, the win at Pebble. Ooh, maybe uh, 44. not forty-four after yeah, the win 44. at Pebble. Uh, PGA Tour wins. Phil Mickelson at the end of his career over under fifty-one. Uh, under for sure. Forty-eight. Uh, under. Wow. So you think that we, so you believe that we might have witnessed one of like the last three or four wins of Phil's career? I think so. Wow. I mean, here's the thing. Here's, here's what's crazy when, when you contextualize this stuff. And this is what I always did with Tiger's majors. It was like, oh, yeah, Tiger will get to, he'll get to 19. And you're like, really? Is Tiger going to have Phil's entire major career in his, uh, like, in his, in his 40s? Is that going to happen? Does that seem likely? And then with Phil, it's like, okay, so is he going to have Ricky Fowler's entire career in his in his fifties in terms of uh, just PGA Tour wins? I, I just, I, I don't know. Like it's it's easy to do it right after he wins. We did it after Mexico. It's like, oh, he'll get to fifty, you know, whatever. But it's just so hard to to win. And and, and you know, I think I think the the sixty five in the final round at Pebble is getting a little buried because it happened over the course of two days. That was crazy. That's a crazy final round to shoot. And which is uh, why he wanted to keep playing. He knew he exactly. was blackout. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I would go under forty eight. All right. Um, other takeaways from the weekend coming up right after this. Are you still suffering from supply chain issues? Are they disrupting your operations? Well, have no fear because Gray Bar has you covered and you can rely on their nationwide logistics network to get what you need, where they need, when they need to get there. 
and all within budget. Graybar is a trusted and leading North American distributor of electrical, communications, data networking, industrial products, literally supporting products of any industry, construction, hospitals, industrial plants, schooling, it doesn't matter. Just one clear mission to serve as that vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. So here's what you need to do. Visit graybar.com to start an order today. Visit graybar.com to start an order today and fix those supply chain issues with Graybar. I do my best to live a healthy lifestyle. I try to get out there, work out, break a sweat when possible. I'm not necessarily a fitness or a a wellness freak, but I'm just trying to be a little bit healthier every single day, which is where Sun Warrior comes into play for me. It is a plant-based, eco-friendly, performance-boosting, all things brand that I want to talk about. And it's their active nutrition line that is something that I've been messing around with over the course of the past couple of months. And it's really working out for me because with protein, creatine, pre-workout and hydration, these products are designed to optimize your performance. And I'm always up for optimizing any aspect of my life, even boosting my own energy reserves or being more hydrated after a long day in the gym or on the golf course. It really does turbocharge my recovery. It's something that I really take seriously and it's real nutrition for real life. So go check out sunwarrior.com and use code first. Okay. So Paul Casey, um, you know, obviously did, did a good job pushing here, but then like, Let's see. Do you want? Where do you want to go for other takeaways? Because I think Jordan Spieth is certainly worth uh, reviewing uh, his time there. Where Where do you want to go? Yeah, you know, Casey. I don't know. I just he feels like English Ricky Fowler to me, or Ricky Fowler's American Paul Casey. I don't know. Is that unfair? Well, I mean, my biggest takeaway was that it was great to watch Paul Casey show a little bit of teeth. You know, not just get walked over by Phil. But when did he show it? By by sticking to his guns and saying, "Now nah, we're not playing." By stopping play, the, o- well, the only listen, time that he it, showed up on Sunday was by stopping. So when no, you're when you're playing out on the recess, like it is a running clock because when the bell rings, the game is over. And if you're up, it is a cheap move or a move of gamesmanship to kick the soccer ball all the way into the woods, right? And I think yeah, that but, as Paul but, Casey is like asking for all these rulings he's bur- he's literally burning daylight and making it more in his advantage it's uh by the way phil would do the same thing phil definitely kicked the soccer ball into the woods <laughs> yes to win <laughs> no i i just i don't know i i sort of i felt a little bad for casey because he didn't play that poorly he shot a 71 which was it was right around course average i think course average on sunday was like right at 71 uh, but he just got he got run over by Phil. I mean, it, there's not, and, and this is the thing that I always go back to. This is why winning is so hard. Course average was 71.1 on Sunday. That's why winning is so hard. It, it's the only sport, and I said this on on Morning Drive last week, and we talked about it for a little bit. It's it's the only sport where like you can't play defense, like you can't defend. You you have no control over what somebody else does. Right. Baseball, you can play defense. F- football, basketball, even tennis, you you play defense. You know, you control what the other person's doing and in golf you just can't and so i i don't know i mean peter costa said it on the broadcast he he'd like to see a little more aggression out of casey and, and that's been that's been the complaint about fowler over the years right not to drag ricky into this but um 
I, I, I don't know. It just it it lacked some oomph on Sunday when you you kind of wanted to see it. What about um, for Spieth? Goes 66 on Thursday, 68 on Friday, posts 74, 75 on the weekend. Um, pretty disappointing. Big time disappointing. Big time. Yeah. He, okay. goes, he goes three bogeys through his first, what is that, 48 holes. And then he closes with uh, two doubles and six bogeys over the next uh, 24. I don't know if that's that adds up to 72. But, um, yeah, just I, – I don't know. I mean, the thing about him over the course of his career, he's been so consistent. Like we always talk about we, – we always talked about with him like the um, – the rhythm of a 72 whole event. Right. Right. And, and like finding that rhythm and, and peaking at the very end. And it's like, he's just, he's just lost that. And so you'll see these great stretches and you're like, Oh yeah, speed. Like he's still got it. And then he goes, he finishes Sunday or he finishes Saturday, the toughest day, uh, double birdie, par, par bogey, double. And you're like, what, what was that? You know? Like, yeah, absolutely. I feel like normal speed would just, par that out, get to Sunday and, and shoot a good score to, to be in the mix. I think that there is, uh, I am willing to entertain the idea and uh, maybe this is just from, you know, we, we talk about Jordan Spieth as a, an engaging conversation. And, uh, I think back to his conversation with you that we aired on the podcast last week. I, I wonder if as he's continuing to tinker and evolve and grow and, and figure out new ways of what winning looks like, both in terms of his game and mentally. Like I, I think that he wants to change things and that process is just continuing to have growing pains. And that's what we're watching. Yeah. And, and I think the hardest thing in golf, at least for a sustained career is to trust yourself that like, you're not, like your results don't necessarily mean you're doing the wrong things. Right. Like that's so hard because then you're like, Oh, well, maybe I should do this, this differently. And all of a sudden you're two years later, you've changed like 48 things that are the very things that made you so good to begin with. And I think that, I mean, I, I hope, I don't think he's changing a bunch of stuff. I hope that he's not it. And I hope that he just kind of stays the course because I think eventually you know, it, it'll it'll all click again, and and he'll be fine. I, I feel like I keep saying that, but uh, you know, it it uh, it remains to be seen. It's going to be a really interesting year for him. Um, who else got your attention for the grades? Uh, Jason Day. Mm, Looked great. Good uh, showing. Bank, he had a bank robber look going on Sunday, which was phenomenal. Uh, to kind of contrast his his SWAT team vest <laughs> that he sometimes wears. Uh, so that was great. He he finished T four. Uh, shot a really nice 68 on Sunday. Uh, I was looking back at his finishes. He he hasn't finished outside the top 25 anywhere in the world since the playoffs last year, since the Dell Technologies. Uh, hmm. So he's had a nice little kind of quiet, really successful run. And and I say quiet because he hasn't won, but he, he's been right there. And uh, another, I think this is like his, I don't know, sixth top 15 at Pebble or something. So He's somebody that I think is uh, is a pretty intriguing kind of early season uh, majors pick going into to Augusta. That's a that's a great that's that's a fascinating call because we have become so comfortable with Jason Day's pl- 
place in, um, among the many golf stars that we discuss here uh, on the podcast. And I feel like that expectation is that he'll win one time a year, um, shoot some good rounds, but no one, he is not getting as much major championship pick or that much steam as he might be getting right now. Or maybe you're, maybe you're the first one on it. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, there's so many guys like that though. Right. I, I mean, I, I said this about Adam Scott a few weeks ago at Tory when Adam, whenever Adam Scott plays well and is like continuing, you're like, Oh yeah, Adam Scott's unbelievable at golf. Like <laughs> I can't, I can't believe how good Adam Scott is, but you, you forget about him because he's not in, in the public, you know, in, in the spotlight all the time. And, and, and days, Days less like that just because he plays more and, you know, he does more press conferences and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that in a lot of ways, all of these guys fly under the radar more than, than you would think. And he's certainly, especially when they don't win for a while. And, and he's certainly in that group right now. When did he win last year? Was it at Tory? He won Tory and then he won, oh uh, gosh, what else did he win? He didn't win match play, did he? Uh, person. Hold on, I'm looking it up. By the way, who had uh, whenever Spieth won the Open in 17? I was thinking about this. If I would have told you Phil and Tiger would win a combined three times before Spieth won again, what what kind of odds would would you have given me on that? Oh, uh, absurd payout! Ten dollars <laughs> wins two hundred. <laughs> uh, Jason Day won Quail Hollow. He won Wells Fargo. Okay, so the Jason Day to win a major odds <laughs> plus four hundred. Yeah, he's right up there with like a below DJ, below Kepka. Yeah, I don't. I just I don't like that number for him. Like if it was like plus seven hundred, I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm on that. Yeah, I'm. I, I was. I'm thinking that he might be. Uh, Overlooked in the conversation, but clearly the odds makers know what the deal is. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do we got coming up? Oh, oh, one more. Dustin Johnson. Bad week. You called it on Golf Channel. He's never yeah. won, never won in back to back weeks. Yeah, it was not great. He he did not play well. Um, and guess what? It looked like he just came back from an overseas trip. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, so he opened 66 and, and it was really fun for that first day. And, and there was a little bit of hesitation for me because all four of uh, Phil, Spieth, Day and, and DJ played Monterey, which was the easiest course. He, sh- he shot 66 first day and then he goes 73-73. And granted, Saturday was tough at Pebble and Spyglass is the toughest course, which he also shot 73 at. But uh, I, I don't know. He, he just he just didn't have it. Uh, I, I looked up his stats earlier. I think it was his, um, I think it was his putting that was just, yeah. So he lost, uh, he lost, he was 53rd in putting and 52nd in, uh, approach shots first in driving. So he drove it great. Um, uh, but just, I mean, I watched him a little bit, I think it was on Saturday and he just hit some terrible approach shots. I mean, it, it was, it, he was all over the yard. So, uh, yeah, not a great week for him, but uh, zero reason, obviously, to be concerned. You can follow him on Twitter at CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back with the preview uh, looking at Riviera coming up in a couple days. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. <laughs>